Well, thank you for tuning in to another message from The Lighthouse. Pastor Robert Bax is the senior pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church and a great teacher and preacher of God's Word. We pray that you find this message practical and helpful for where you are at right now. We are in the middle of a sermon series called Smoke and Mirrors, and it is an interesting little topic looking at the meaning of life and looking for the meaning of life in a book that was written by uh, the wisest man on earth outside of Jesus, and his name was Solomon, and it's the book called Ecclesiastes. And we hit about the halfway through this book, and I want to invite you to join along with us here. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 7. There'll be scriptures that will come up on the screen, or you can turn to them in your Bible. But I want you to notice something as we hit this passage. It's a little bit of a sober passage in a somber area, yet incredible truth that comes out of this section of this book as we follow along here. The last uh, few chapters we've been working through, he's in a little bit of a disenchanted mindset, a bit disillusioned mindset, looking at all the things happening in the world and wondering, you know, really what is the meaning of life? Is there anything worthwhile uh, continuing for? All these uh, sometimes very sobering questions that he had. And when you think about life, if you think about some of these tombstones here, and I want you to notice something very Exactly the same on every one of these tombstones. On the first one, there is a date, a dash, and a date. The next one, a date, a dash, and a date. And then on on Mr. Bean, down the bottom there, there's a date, and a dash, and a date. And then again, the other one, there's a date, a dash, and a date. Everyone know what they had in common? They had a dash. And, And really, their life is summed up as a dash. It's just put there as a dash, and, and that's what this whole book's like. It's like Solomon saying, you know, when I think about life, it's just like a like vapor. It's like smoke. It's just kind of moves through so quickly, and, and he had to summarize everything up, and he said, it's like it's just a, a simple line, and so much crammed in to that one little line of life. From your birth date to your death date, it crams in from there. And as the great theologian uh, Forrest Gump once said, my mama always said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And sometimes it's like that. The problem is, I think Solomon would add to, to Forrest's uh, little quote and say, yeah, it is like a box of chocolates and you pick it up, you take a bite and you're just not certain how it's going to digest as it goes through your life from there. So these first, this first half of this book Everything in Solomon's life has been viewed under the sun. In other words, on what it's like to be on earth, to have an earthly perspective and not getting a God perspective of life and everything is viewed that way and now all of a sudden he starts to twist. About halfway through the book, there seems to be a little bit of movement from man-centered to a little bit more a God-centered view and you pick it up because he starts using a word that comes up quite frequently in this chapter and he begins a Uh, saying this word, and the word is wisdom. You notice in the middle of the chapter, he says, wisdom is a defense, and wisdom giveth life. He's trying to to spin things around. So I I wanted to give you a thought here this morning on the benefits of wisdom. And I think all of us would say, there have been times in our life where I think I've been quite wise, and other times where I've been quite Well, you fill it out, how you want to fill that little phrase out there, unwise, foolish, whatever you want to place in from there. But he uses this over and over. 
Uh, Mark Watkins, who likes to do a lot of numerics here, he pointed this out to me, that in the book of Revelation, there's a verse that talks about hearer's wisdom and counting the number, and it talks about 666, and he, tells, he told me that wisdom appears six times within this 666th chapter of the Bible. Something unusual in this chapter is trying to say, I want you to focus in on wisdom. I want you to learn something about wisdom here, and wisdom is the ability to to discern, to have right judgment, to, to make a right decision. Uh, we've got baby dedications coming up, and I think every parent here would say, oh Lord, please give me wisdom as I raise my children. Would you agree with that? And how many parents would say, I wish I had wisdom when I did raise my children. I think, I wish I would have been able to get it all together. And sometimes as I've, now as a grandparent, I have incredible wisdom. Red cordial works wonderfully when the great kids come around. Lollies, all those things, they're great to give them. And uh, granddad's great because he gives us a chocolate cake, all those sorts of things. It's a great thing. But really, sometimes in life, the, the, the idea is that many people can live, can live a long life, yet that dash can seem to be sometimes wasted because their life is used a little bit reckless through foolish decisions or not having the wisdom to make right decisions and then living with the consequences of those uh, unwise decisions from there. So as we jump into this chapter, he answers some questions on how can you have a balanced life of wisdom and why should you seek godly wisdom through life and what is the difference between a life lived with, with God's wisdom and then a life lived without God's wisdom. What's the difference from that and what can we learn? Here's the first thing if you have a sermon note and you want to follow along or watch this or hear with this. Here is the first thought. Wisdom is what Solomon's going to tell us, gives, gives you a perspective that's often missed in life. That you get some wisdom and you say, you know what, I, without that wisdom I would have missed this somewhat of a deeper truth at times. Takes you beyond the superficial, takes you something a little bit deeper. And he gives uh, some very sobering, deep thoughts in this passage on a paradox here. And it's quite interesting. He begins and says this. He says that wisdom gives a great perspective. And it speaks about there is value of character. That a person's character is going to be far better in life than anything else. And he said you could have everything else that you could gain in life. But if you have good character... That's some wisdom teaches us. Character is what's going to continue and help you through in life. No matter what state you are in financially, whatever state you are in physically, he's telling you a good name is better than precious ointment. Precious ointment in that day was a very, very uh, valuable substance. So we could say it's something like this. You know, having a good reputation is better than having a great big fat bank account. Because you understand, doesn't matter how much money you got, if you have a bad reputation, you ain't ever going to be able to recover from that. And many, many people who've, who've had, who would love to go back, who have lost their reputation and their good name, would give anything to try to regain that good name again. And this is what Solomon's saying. And he said, then he brings out this thought, which is quite interesting. He, he says this, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. Are you sure? Why would you say that's a wise thing? Why would you say that your death day is better than your birthday? That seems a little bit weird to say that. Uh, what, what are you trying to get at, Solomon? What are you trying to get us to understand here? Where's the wisdom? It sounds a little bit pessimistic in this. That's if you look at it from an earthly perspective. If you look at it from a heavenly perspective, 
He's telling us here, if you have that good name, if you've got that reputation, if you've kept that name before God, and you understand this, he's saying, assuming you've got this good name, assuming you have this, then he said, I want you to understand that, that there is times where you can look ahead. And, and Paul, the Apostle Paul said, you know, to live on life, or live on this earth is needful, but to die is actually gain. And for a Christian, you understand that once you leave this earth, there is far better. That's the wonderful hope of Jesus Christ. And so he says, he gives this thought of thinking not just now, but thinking there is an eternity to come. And then and when it does come for the Christian, it's absolute joy, pleasure, everything that God ever intended in heaven. And he said, that's why he makes this statement, thinking not just now, but thinking also into the future. Then he makes this statement, which is a very another sobering statement about wisdom. He said, the vision of crying is better. And, and let, me, let me explain this one. This is a really, sometimes when you look at it, you think, whoa, are you serious? But then you start to ponder it and you think, you know what? There is some wisdom in this statement. He said, it's better to go to the house of mourning. He said, it's better to go to a funeral. Whoa, what? Then go to the house of feasting. It's better to go to a funeral than to go to a party. What's he saying? You should go and go to just walk around looking for funerals everywhere? No, he's giving you a piece of wisdom here. For that is the end of all men, and that the living will lay it to his heart. He said, it's often when you hit sobering events of life that we will stop. And we'll actually start to consider about things that really matter. I've, I've been a pastor for many, many years now. And I've had the joy of, we've got baby dedications, weddings, uh, parties, and they're fun and they're great times. But it's often not at those moments that we, that we stop and pause and consider the real serious issues of life. But I have known, and I have noticed over the years, that when you hit those sobering moments of life, many people stop and start to reevaluate where they are. Uh, uh, all of us here unless you've had your head in the sand, have not been uh, oblivious to what's happened in Christchurch. Every one of us here, we've seen it. I mean, I, I watched the little thing by Sonny Bill Williams in the top uh, right-hand corner and his comments, and, and then I listened to uh, the president of the Muslim Student Association at the university, and he was due to be at that mosque, but he was running late, and a young boy that he was mentoring was killed in that massacre that took place there of that, uh, of that man who had a, obviously had a twisted ideology. And you can understand, people who, who commit these sort of things have a twisted ideology to run around and murder people like this. I mean, you don't have to have brain, rocket science to work that out. And, uh, but they, here's what it does. It brings mortality to the forefront. I listened to that, as I said, that, that president of the Student Association, and he was just, uh, this is right on the cusp of this, right on the after effect of this, and he said, uh, we just don't know when our number is up. We just don't know. He said, I was supposed to be at that mosque. So let me tell you, those statements are not going to come out of someone who's going to a birthday party. That's the wisdom of what Solomon is saying. What's he saying? You should walk around in a morbid existence all life? No, 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 he's not saying that. He's just saying, yeah, there are some events of life that will actually cause you to, as tragic, as horrible, as sad, as grievous as they are, 
will actually cause you to say, whoa, this, is, this has really sobered me up. There, there is a passage that Jesus spoke about. There was one time people came to him and they had some racial issues and prejudices and all sorts of things and they came to Jesus to try to trap him. And they came one time in the book of Luke and they said to Jesus, they said, uh, hey, Jesus. And there was this racial tension between the people who lived in Jerusalem and the people who lived way up in Galilee, the Judeans and the Galileans. And he said, uh, there was a religious tension, all these sorts of things. So they came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, what do you think about what Pilate did? how he massacred all those Galileans who were just trying to worship and he came in and slaughtered them and mingled their blood with, their, with the sacrifices they were offering up. What do you think about that, Jesus? It's not unsimilar to what we've just seen in Christchurch. And Jesus said, well, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. What? What was Jesus saying? He's saying, I can't do anything about the dead. But make sure you're ready. If it was you. I mean, that's sobering stuff. And then Jesus throws back a little bit of racial stuff. And said, by the way, you people who are, who are against the Galileans, what, what about the tower? There was a massive big construction tower being built here in, in Jerusalem in, at Siloam and it fell down and crushed 18 workers. What do you think? They were sinners above everybody else, Jesus asked. He said, no, 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 they weren't. But you need to think about your own life. What if it was you? That's how Jesus pulls this back around. What's he saying? Similar wisdom to Solomon. Some of these events sober us up. You think, whoa, what, what is it? How do we deal with these things? And, and I've noticed this in life. And so Solomon says, you know, a little bit of wisdom in this. And he moves on and he, he says, sorrow is better than laughter for it is the sadness of the countenance, the heart. It, it impacts the heart. And God says, the heart of the wise thinks about these things, but the heart of the fools doesn't, give, doesn't care and give a rip about it. This moves on life. Let's next party, next party. And doesn't think about, you know what? I need to make sure I'm prepared for eternity. I need to make sure my heart is right, that I, that I have a right heart with God and, and brings back. Listen, I've known people who've had um, some serious uh, issues of life and health scares and you know, near-death near issues, and all of a sudden have that wake-up call. Whoa, whoa, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing? I need to get back to what I sort out my family. I need to sort this thing out. Well, what have I done? And it was that sobering moment that brought him back to a reality. And Solomon's saying, there's wisdom there. Wisdom gives you a perspective in that area. Here's another bit of wisdom Solomon gives us. The voice of correction is better. Uh, how many love to be told you're wrong? Anyone? <laughs> I mean, nobody. Uh, you know, it's not something nice. No one loves that. But here's what he said. It's better to hear the rebuke of the wise... Then for a man to hear the song of fools. In other words, you could have someone uh, tell you all sorts of things that's really just foolish and, and just you know, fantasy, whatever it is. He said, sometimes it's good to hear someone just to correct you in wisdom because they mean it for the right things. And we all enjoy the words, you're right. Uh, you know, but we don't really enjoy the words, you're wrong. But Solomon said, if we hear that, let me say, I've always said this, every criticism is worthy of a visit. To look at that and say, you know what, maybe I could learn from this. 
Wisdom says, well, I'll listen to that. I'll hold up to that. Pride says, I'm not going to listen to that. Who do they think they are? And we all get that way. And Solomon's saying, a little bit of wisdom says, let's, let's think through this and, and hold on to this. When, when I was a young preacher, I had a pastor come up to me and uh, he rebuked me on my, on my sermon preparation. And, uh, and I, at the first I thought, oh, well, that's a bit harsh. But he was exactly right. He was exactly right. Because I was more interested in, in not so much what I was saying as, as how I was saying it. And I had taken the whole focus off because I was worried I was going to say the wrong thing or not get it out right and I wanted to sound good. And I was more worried about impressing than I was about expressing. And he corrected me on that and I took that and realised, you know what, God, I had it all wrong. I had it all wrong. And I had to deal with some of those things from there. Some of you may, have, may not know this person here, but I'm sure you know his great-great-granddaughter or great-granddaughter, which is Paris Hilton. Uh, but Conrad Hilton was a, a distinguished gentleman, an incredible speaker, a businessman, uh, obviously started the Hilton Hotel chain and all those things. Well, he wrote in his autobiography called Be My Guest, he wrote about a time when he was a young man preparing and practicing, practicing a speech in front and his mother heard him. And his mother came in and she listened to him practice this speech and then he said, Mum, what do you think about my speech? And she said, well, you're hiding behind all these gestures and if you're afraid to be who you are, son, you're throwing dust into God's face who created you. If you have confidence in him, you'll relax and just be who you are. You'd do better to pray about this than to practice this, son. And he said, well, it's a little bit hard to take. But he said, you know what? I took that to heart. And he went on and Conrad Hilton became one of the great motivational speakers and business speakers of his time, simply saying, you know what? That was a bit of wisdom that mum had just spoke to me and rebuked me in those moments, the wisdom of the wise. But he said, the song of the fools, he said, I'll tell you what it's like. As the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This is also vanity. He said, it's certainly here for a little bit and goes away. Uh, you ever, have you ever been talking with people and something funny happens and everyone's, <laughs> and then they stop laughing and there's that awkward silence. The, that, what that means is the thorns have all burnt up. <laughs> it's finished. It's, it's had its life. And he said that, that wise rebuke is sometimes far better from there. Here's the next thing he says. The victory of completion is better. He goes on and says, you know what? Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. And to be patient in spirit rather than be proud in spirit and not to have an angry spirit. And he's telling you it's always better to, the end is always better than the beginning a lot of projects start with good intentions but are never completed and he's saying you know sometimes it's tough he said but I want to tell you it's far better to try to get through and complete it finish the job get it done and recognize this that God honors and there is patience is indicative of wisdom just saying it's going to be a bit patient and patience is what you appreciate in the in the truck driver behind you when you're coming down a hill but it's not what you appreciate in the truck driver in front of you when you're going up a hill you sort of think hang on I want to work that everyone loves someone else to be patient with them but God's saying patience in your spirit is indicative of wisdom it ought to be the narrative of our, of our life to say you know what I'm going to keep working at this keep pushing through and have the character to finish and he continues on and said then say thou not. He said, don't say this. Don't live a life that says, well, the former days were better than these. For thou doesn't inquire wisely concerning this. And what is he simply saying? He's simply telling you, don't live your life by saying, well, the good old days. Oh, I wish we had the good old days again. Let me tell you what. 
You don't have the good old days anymore. And sometimes we think that my answer to my problem is just to go back to the good old days. And he turned around and said, no, no, say thou not. Don't say that. That's not wise. Far better wisdom is to say right now, today, all the hopes of mankind and all the hopes of your life are marked today. That's where it is. This is the day the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Nobody, nobody drives your car looking in the rear vision mirror. You don't sit there and drive your car, look in the rear vision mirror and, and, and drive that way. You're going to have an accident. You're always looking forward. In fact, God always tells you, if you think about the anatomy of your body for a moment, uh, your eyes look which way? Forward. Your ears are this way, catching so you can hear when people are speaking to you. Uh, your feet are point, pointed which way? Forward. Your arms are intended to go forward. And respectfully, there's only one part of you that's on the back of you. And that's really the, as he said, you don't sort of worry about that as much. It's sort of to be left behind. You're supposed to be going forward. He's saying, this is how I've intended you. Don't keep going, oh, I wish I lived in the past. I wish I could get that back again. Oh, I wish I was back. He said, forget it, it's finished. He said, right now, wisdom is to move on. Here's the second thing wisdom does. Wisdom helps us with the puzzles of life. How many love doing jigsaw puzzles? My wife likes them, some others here. And, and you know, when you do the jigsaw puzzle, I mean, the, everyone tries to get the edges in, get all the corner bits, because they're the easiest ones, especially the little corners on the edge, and you get all them in, and it's those middle pieces that mess us up, aren't they? It's those middle pieces. But I'll tell you what wisdom does. Wisdom helps us put the pieces together. Uh, you, you parents who are going to be coming up here shortly, I'm sure you can sometimes get the, the edges of your, of your parenting techniques together. Some things you might learn, it's just that middle pieces of the puzzle that you sort of think, why is my kid doing this? Why, why did they choose that? How do I... And you try to work out all those middle pieces. Wisdom is what you need. God, I need your wisdom here to, to raise this child right, to, to do what I need to do. He later on says this, wisdom is absolutely profitable. There's nothing unprofitable about this, and I've got to seek it. I've got to look for wisdom, go after wisdom. And he tells you in this passage, he said, wisdom is considered greater than wealth. Listen, if you can get wisdom and, and an inheritance, wisdom and money, that's great. He said, but if you just get wisdom, it's better than anything. He said, if you can have both, wonderful. But uh, he said, make sure you don't get caught up just thinking, I'm going for money, going for wealth, going for these things. Uh, I've seen too many families, uh, you've probably seen it as well, where mum and dad are just going for the money, trying to get things set up and get the house, everything they want for the kids. By the time they finally get it all, the kids have grown up and left. Yeah. You know, wisdom says, you know what, I need to just think about what I have now and to work on those things there. He also tells us that God's work is very, very powerful. He said, consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? Listen, there are some things that you and I can never change. If God's put it this way, you're not going to change it, uh, and God's the only one who can straighten things out. I've seen crooked things straightened by God. I've seen people's lives changed around. You have as well. But God is saying, listen, when you've got a tough situation, just look at the work, commit it to me and let me work on those things. He also tells us that God's work is very purposeful. Now, I want you to look at this. This is interesting. He looks at this, this uh, scenario and he said, in the day of prosperity, be joyful. It's not too hard. But in the day of adversity, consider. 
And what's happened in Christchurch, you would have to say, is a day of adversity. He said, God also has set the one over against the other, to the end that man should find nothing after him. He's saying, listen, God, God uses both of those events. For God says, my, my, everything has purpose. He doesn't make it happen, but he can, he can bring purpose out of all these things. And all things God says, there's purpose. There's purpose. And, and sometimes you wonder, what is the purpose? And sometimes we sit there and scratch our heads and say, what was the purpose of that? And we spoke about this last week on what a bad things happen to good people and, and how do we deal with those things. And you have to come to a God mindset and say, God, God, I trust you. You have purpose. Some things I don't understand. On this life, on this life, I live by promises. In heaven, I live with understanding. Right now, I don't have, I don't have explanations. I live simply by trust. In heaven, one day I'll have full understanding. But I trust right now that God... You, you said you have purpose. I don't understand it. He goes on here and says that a just man perisheth in his righteousness and there's a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. He said, how do you figure that one? He said, I don't. He said, I have to come back and recognize I consider the work of God. God has purpose. I don't get it all together and I can't see it all, but I can look at this and say, well, this is where it is. But I also know this, that God's work is very, very personal. So God turns around and says this, here's some wisdom. He said, be not righteous overmuch, neither make thyself overwise. Why shouldst thou destroy thyself? Because you get so proud. Be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why shouldst thou die before thy time? He's saying, look, don't go to extremes in life. It's good that thou shouldst take hold of this. This is good wisdom. Yea, also thou withdraw not thine hand, for he that feareth God shall come forth of them all. He's telling us there is a time where we need to not push off to extreme, to live in moderation. Uh, don't become some super holier-than-thou person or think you are. He said, it's not going to cut the grave with anybody. And then don't just say, well, throw, it all, throw all caution to the wind and just become over much wicked or over foolish. He said, you're going to end up cutting your life short and you didn't need to. And you see a lot of people who've done some stupid, stupid things. You think, why did you do that? And he says, well, don't, don't do this. Be, don't go to extremes in life. Don't go to extremes. Take hold of this and fear God. And here's the last thing. Wisdom provides us with a protection. So many things wisdom will do for us. And Solomon's saying, I want you to get this. And he tells us wisdom, in this passage, he's going to tell you wisdom is actually safer than strength. He said, wisdom strengtheneth the wise, more than ten mighty which are in the city. He said, listen, if you have wisdom... Wisdom is going to help you. It's going to be like having, it's like having a, a fortification around your life that strengthens you in decisions. And you have confidence in your decisions. You say, you know what? I, I've used wisdom here. I've looked for wisdom and applied wisdom from here. Wisdom is also safer than speech. Sometimes uh, we, we say things before we ever think about them or apply wisdom to them. And all of us have said things in the heat of the moment, we've all said things that we later wish we could put back in and we can't. God, God has given you an ivory gate, a fleshly gate to make sure that little slippery member inside there doesn't get out there. He's given you two gates to get out there before it comes out and says anything. He's telling you, guard your mouth, watch it. He says, not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Every one of us are sinners in the sight of God. No, nobody, every person has sinned. He's told us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Nobody is perfect. Also, 
Take, take no heed unto all the words that are spoken. Listen, there's a lot of things that people say, uh, a lot of things that people post, a lot of things that people blog. Uh, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. And that, oh, if you're an employer, watch out. Sometimes your employees are going to say some nasty things about you. Uh, For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise have cursed others. He said, now listen, don't be too hard on someone when you hear someone else talking about somebody else because you've done it yourself. He said, and wisdom says, just, just watch that mouth. Just, just guard that mouth because it can easily cause some problems and then you can be snared the snare of pride can get you he said all this I proved by wisdom he said you know what I at one point I just said I will be wise I will do this I will I will I will me 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 and he's doing that and he said you know what I found out I can't get there Sometimes I just got to trust. He said, there's some things too deep. I can't even find these things out. And he said, some, I've learned wisdom. Wisdom is better off saying, I don't know. Have you ever met somebody who said, who's like a bit of a know-it-all? Don't look around. <laughs> and um, you meet someone and, and when you talk to them and you say, you're trying to tell them something or explain something and they're going, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And then you keep telling them, and they go, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And you think, you know, anything you, anything you know is you don't know that you don't know. Seriously. Like, but they, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. And then they go and completely mess it up, whatever they were doing. And you think, you didn't have a clue at all. But he said, watch out, the snare of pride will get you. Here's the big one. He said, the snare of pleasure will get you. And he said, watch out for this one. This can, this can knock you out of the race. He said, I applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things. You know, the wickedness of folly, even the foolishness and madness. I try to figure it all out. And I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. Whoso pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. And obviously Solomon is writing this as a man. Now, this guy had some... I don't know why he did this, but the Bible tells us he ended up having um, a lot of women. I mean, it gives us the number. I mean, he was a wealthy, wealthy dude, but I tell you what, this guy had a thousand women, 700 wives, 300 concubines. No wonder he's writing all this stuff. Who knows what he's writing? I mean, no wonder he's thinking the day of my death is better than... I don't know what he's thinking, but uh, he's... He said, I find more bitter than death the woman. I don't know whether he's had a bad experience or what is, what's going on, but... He's saying, you know what, I just got me. It got me. And I figured out the answer to this is, I'm just better off just pleasing God. If I please God, I'm not going to get snared and caught up with stuff I shouldn't get involved with. If I just set my life to, God, I just want to honor you. I just want to please you. Then I'm not going to get caught up with stuff and messed up with things, uh, whether it be premarital escapades or extramarital affairs or whatever it may be. I'm not going to get engaged in that because I'm going to say, God, I'm not going to get caught up in that snare. I'm just going to please you. And God said, that's, that's the answer. And then he goes on in his pursuit of life and he said, behold, this I found, saith the preacher, counting one by one. He's done a diligent search to find out the account, which yet my soul seeketh, but I find not. One man among a thousand I've found. 
but a woman among all those I have, I found not. And he had a thousand. By this only have I found, that God hath made man upright. But they have sought out many inventions. You know what I've found? The problem's never with God. The problem's never with God. The problem's always us. And what we need is we need to say, wisdom says, I just need to get close to God. Wisdom is going to tell me the best thing for me in life is it'll give me a perspective that sometimes I miss. Wisdom will will help me sort of solve out some of the puzzles in life to realize, God, yeah, you have purpose, you have plan. God, you, you can do this. I don't fully get it, but God, I'm trusting. And wisdom is going to provide me a little bit of protection to hold me back from some of the things that can snare me. See, you ever think about this? A snare never kills an animal. It traps them. Just stops them. And sometimes in life, you might get engaged. He's saying, just watch out for things you might, you might get engaged in. It won't, won't knock you out, but it'll just stop you. And he said, the best thing is just use wisdom and just stay near to, near to Jesus and come to him. Uh, our parents who are going to come up here in a moment, bring their babies up here. And I think if we had one prayer request for all of our parents, I think every one of us ought to be saying, God, would you grant these parents wisdom? Wisdom. Because they need it to get the right perspective in life as they raise their kids. They need it to sort of sort out the puzzles, then how to fix up some of the things in the middle of their, the lives of these children. They, they need it for protection. They make sure they stick on the right road and draw close to you. Because we have a God who always does things right. Hence we call him, as we sang here before, the good, good father. A good...